This episode of the Digital Tourism Show was brought to you today by Rentrax, fully customizable rental management systems for tour operators. You can book your free demo at rentrax.com. Over the last 12 months, pivoting your business has been key to making sure that you survive during this pandemic. This could be pivoting towards a completely domestic market, away from your traditional international market, or it can be in something completely different. It's all about making sure that you can pay yourself and you have a life for you and your families, as well as hopefully those people who have been helping you out through this in terms of your staff and your tour guides. Now in this episode, I'm going to be speaking with four operators from across the world, all of whom have pivoted their business in some form or fashion. I'm going to be speaking with Lauren Heffern of Cyclismo Classico, Dowd Gruel of Seaside Tours, Don Littlefield of The Main Brew Tours, and Gabor Benflavi of Taste Hungry. Now, each one of these offers advice on how they have pivoted their business, offering advice to other operators on how you can pivot your business, and it, they're sharing their insights into what has been successful and what has not been successful. So if you are still struggling in terms of where you can take the direction of your business, whether it's thinking completely outside the box or looking more inwards towards your business, then this is an episode I urge you to watch and not to miss. So welcome to the Digital Tourism Show episode 200. And 54. Hi guys, how are we all? Hello. Hey Chris. So we have uh, Lauren Heffron, and I apologise in advance if I get anyone's name wrong. I've, I've had it. I, I, I've had previous for this, so apologies. <laughs> so, uh, like, please uh, can we welcome Lauren Heffron of uh, Cyclismo Classico, and we have Don Littlefield of the Main Brewbus, Gabor Banfalvi of Taste Hungry. I hope I did. I hope I got that one right. <laughs> and Dodd Grill of Seaside Tour. So, everyone, thanks again, and welcome for for joining us. So. Thank you. So I'm going to start with yourself, Lauren, uh, and work work our way around. If we, if you want to, just give a, a little sort of little bit of business, uh, about your business, who you are, and what your business is all about. Sure. Um, well, it's my 31st year of uh, Ciclismo Classico. I started in 1989, um, graduated from college, went to Italy, um, been a cyclist my whole life, and uh, essentially just started with a couple of tours in 1989 when there, when there was not a lot of bicycle tour happening in the world and uh, kind of boomed into quite a, a nice niche, a uh, boutique uh, bicycle tours of Europe um, with a focus on Italy. So we were in our 31st year. Uh, this year. Uh, and um, so that's sort of the basic of what, what my company does. And educational lux luxury bicycle tours is essentially what we do. But um, I'm really proud of having been kind of one of the pioneers of the bicycle tour uh, industry, as so to speak. Um, and uh, and I'm a lifer. Uh, I'll be in it for life no matter what I do. I'll, I'll be sharing my bicycle with people. Excellent. Excellent. Dodge yourself. Uh, yeah, um, you know, I was born here, born and raised here in Niagara Falls. Um, I started doing, uh, I started my company back in high school when I used to work at a local local tourist attraction and saw, you know, other companies cramming people in big buses. And I thought I could do a better job in my mom's family then. So that's uh, how I started off. So now we do uh, sightseeing tours, small group tours in different cities across Canada. And um, uh, yeah, we have a jetboard operation as well in St. John, New Brunswick. And so. Yeah, it was all going Excellent. well until the pandemic. <laughs> as it was with everyone. Uh, yourself, yeah. Don, uh, about yeah. yourself as well. 
Yeah, thanks. Uh, my name is Don Littlefield. I'm the general manager of Brewbus Tours, which is most notably uh, the main Brewbus in Portland, Maine in USA. Uh, that's our most mature company. It's just celebrated our eight-year anniversary. Nothing like Lauren's uh, longevity, but eight is, eight is good. Uh, we're typically a small bus uh, experience for uh, travelers to go and enjoy craft beverages behind the scenes, beer, wine, and spirits that are locally made. And we have sister companies in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, as well as in Providence, Rhode Island. And then earlier this year, in March, in a stroke of perfect timing, we acquired another company that has 10 locations scattered throughout the country doing the same thing. So. Uh, that's been an interesting uh, adventure as well. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Uh, Gabor, uh, yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me. So my name is Gabor. Uh, I'm co-owner and co-founder of Taste Hungary. We are based in Hungary, uh, Budapest. Uh, we started the company 12 years ago in 2008 in the middle of a different uh, crisis. Uh, <laughs> me and my wife uh, started this. And over the 12 years, the company grew uh, much, much bigger than we ever imagined. Uh, we started here in Budapest uh, with uh, short three and four hour long uh, walking tours, all uh, focused on food and wine. Hungary is a very proud uh, winemaking country and a great uh, food and wine destination. And then from there, uh, we built longer tours, first just day trips, uh, then uh, vacations in Hungary then in the region, Austria and Croatia and uh, Slovenia. And then uh, we were always uh, pretty uh, interested in uh, trying different related aspects of tourism or, or not just tourism, but the wine and hospitality business. So along the way, we opened uh, a wine tasting cellar in Budapest. Uh, this is where I'm sitting now. And uh, this is called the tasting table and it, and it became a really important integral part of uh, what we do. Uh, we started online wine sales and we also started a, a wine import company to the U.S. So we have a, we sell a wine online in the EU and in the, in the U.S. And yeah, everything was great. Uh, 2020 uh, January and February were record months for, for, you know, the first two months of the year. And then uh, the crash uh, happened. <laughs> The crash, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> so yeah, the, the next crash that you've, after you started up in 2008. Um, so, so yeah, so obviously um, for anyone who's just joined them, this episode is all about um, the guys who you can see in front of you, how they have pivoted their business or what they've done to survive during COVID and the outlook of COVID going forward um, and, and what that means for their business. So Lauren, if I can start with yourself, uh, obviously you, You've managed to, um, and forgive me if I'm wrong, but you've managed to focus your business more on domestic and created a close-to-home product, etc., and really home down on that. Would you like to give a little uh, more insight into how, you, how you've done that or what the, the sure. challenges you had with it? Sure. Well, I won't forget uh, February 28th when um, the COVID started going all over Italy. So I just, you know, I had about two weeks of, like, hell, obviously. And then I had to quickly get myself... Um, my attitude shift. I had to take a major attitude shift, and I when I when I have to take a major attitude shift, the first thing I do uh, is bicycle a lot. So I spent most of uh, many 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 days and many hours on my bicycle, um, and I knew that I had to get into creativity mode, um, and I had to go to my purpose, which was cycling. As I said, I always knew that no matter what I do, I was going to be on a bicycle. And I of course, where I live is beautiful. I live in, in New England, um, and so right away I had no problem with happening 
um, high school tours in New England. And another thing that I was very, I'm always committed about is vice bicycling as an activity is here for here to stay. It's here forever, and it's here to stay. Uh, so as soon as I sort of was became convicted about that attitudinally, um, I just started getting hopeful, and I started getting busy, you know. And I I could not think as any time a negative thought came to my head, I had to pretty much get busy and keep moving forward, pedaling forward, keep moving forward. And uh, I had to be ready to fail all the time. I had to be ready to try. And uh, I just had to be my best self, my best resilience. And um, so then we started, you know, I started thinking, okay, where could we go and what could this um, New England <coughs> So basically I decided to, first of all, of course, cut all my non-essentials by 80%. I got very close to my core team and became very grateful for them. And I began to, imagining domestic tours, both doing them myself directly, you know, guiding them and, and having a van support for them, as well as um, working with small domestic partnerships. I also developed one-day bike tours that I would lead um, in the area, and um, they, they call I call them story rides. Um, and so that was what I did to pivot the company, but I also realized I could, I sort of, a, I believe in win, 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 win. And the second win I had to consider was my, my team in Italy. And I couldn't just abandon them. Uh, I felt awful. Um, I love my guides. I love my team. I love Italy. And um, so we started, we created a guide cookbook. Well, they created a guide cook, cookbook. I had each one of my guides contribute a recipe. Um, and we created a, a, a digital cookbook. And uh, in conjunction with that digital cookbook, we actually started cooking lessons with our guides every week. And uh, we created a fundraiser with GoFundMe. And over a two-month period, we raised um, $50,000 for the guides. And that was distributed entirely to our guides. Um, and we have 20, I don't know, 20 or so participated. So it took a while and it took a lot of work. But, um, you know, I felt good about it because I, I love I love them. And, and they're really one of the main reasons that I'm here and uh, our customers love them as well. And so they had no problem contributing to this fundraiser. The cooking lesson, like I said, was a way to keep marketing alive without, without spending any money, essentially just learned how to do zoom. I, I started calling all my customers. Literally we called every single 2020 customer and got on the phone with them. And it was just a back to high touch. It's back to the way I started my business, which is one customer at a time, one conversation at a time, one opening up your heart at, at, at a time. And, um, and then, you know, it's simul everything was simultaneous. Like this is not all happening at once. And then, you know, we started the partnerships and we started developing the trips and we started putting them out there. And, you know, the summer was tough because states were closing. So, you know, it was constantly moving every day. Um, I had one of my, one of my guides, um, you know, who, who's been helping me out and he's been fantastic. I had, you know, two other people on line on staff as well. Um, and everybody, we just got really close. We got really focused on, on getting to the other side. Um, we also had a, a Chiclismo Classical Bike Travel Film Festival, which is launched in the spring. It's usually um, all over the country, including in Arlington. Um, and we went online. We went online and we created um, our Bike Travel Film Festival online. We just did it again last week and we raised, I don't know, five or six thousand dollars. Um, and now we're getting ready for our our second guide fundraiser. Um, and we're and this time the, around my guides, I've asked them to write um, an essay about their favorite ride. And it's going to be our guides favorite rides. And we're going to do the same thing. We're going to do a GoFundMe. Um, it's going to actually try. I'm going to try to actually make it a real book. Um, and we're going to do the cooking. So we're going to kind of repeat what worked. And um, we're launching a whole new season of domestic trips, which I'm really excited about because I live here and this allows me to, mm -hmm. you know, kind of be on the trips again and be a tour guide again and, and um, to be get closer to my customers. And so um, it's all good. It's just hard, but it's 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 all good. It's all 
all good. I mean, the lessons that we learned, the successful pivots to take are, are all good. The difficulty level is extraordinary. You know what I mean? The travel business, hug your, hug your, hug your friend, friend in the travel business next time you see them, because everyone out there, I know I, 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 and I'm not, you know, I just felt attitudinally, I'm not alone like that continue every single day. I just knew that my colleagues and people in the business were going through the same thing all the time. So, so that's where, you know, that was sort of it, it attitude and actions kind of on a daily basis. What am I at? What's my attitude going to be today? You know, and what actions am I going to take? So it kept me sort of like I was in a defense offense mode all the time. So that's kind of the, that's sort of the basic. Um, and just kept biking. I biked 10,000 miles. I've never, I haven't biked this much. I don't even remember when I, I biked. I biked so much. I, I was doing, I would call them my serenity ride in the springtime. I was literally going out and I didn't go fast. It's not like fa- I'd go out and I would just ride for, and I would ride until these ideas would sink into my fiber. Right. I would just ride until I said, okay, I'm, I, I got this. It was very cathartic. And um, it's what I've always done, whether I've lost a friend or a family member or I'm happy. Cycling has always been my my it's my meditation motion practice. So uh, it it worked. It really did. Mm -hmm. So I have to thank my bicycle first and foremost. No, it's, it's, it sounds like you had your hands full, that's for sure, with all the different initiatives and everything else you took. No, the, the idea with the cookbook and the fundraising and everything else, I love that. I think that's uh, that's fantastic. And no, with the with the fundraising that you that you did, did that basically allow you to keep those guys employed and everything else? So was well, that, not as, no, not employed, but it, you know, not at all because they, you know, they it wasn't it wasn't at all what they earn normally, but. You know, it was something and it was a way for me to just, you know, I, yeah, they were all very grateful. So they were super yeah. grateful. Um, but, you know, I think it taught, it taught a lesson. Like, I, I think it just told everybody we're in this together and that we're going to be stronger together than we are apart. And I always believe that. And um, and it, saw, it, it allowed me to I think it allowed us to show our best selves. Uh, the cooking lessons were super fun. We got to go into um, the kitchens of our uh, our guides' families and saw their kids and their mothers, and you know it was super nice. I'm getting you know shivers. And we had like we had a couple hundred people at those le- uh, at those guide uh, at those cooking lessons. I mean, so I, I gained some. I got some new leads. Whatever what, whatever you want to make out of from a marketing point of view, but um, you know it, there had a marketing purpose. But for the most part, it was really about showing what we can do with our talent. Like it's not just a peddling it's what can we do with our purpose which is what we love what we're really good at and and what can and how can we communicate to that that to others and that's the essence of you have to kind of get bored the essence of who you are and and that's with that kind of where it was about the essence of who we are as a company mm-hmm. no I, I love that and no when it comes to marketing no I'm a big fan of being able to show the personality behind the business, you know, the tour guys, you know, the, the, the owners and everything else. And that just sounds like an amazing an amazing medium to be able to do that and actually show that and really highlight how good your team is and everything else. So I, th- I love that. Absolutely love that. I think you could tell lots of good stories for years to come off the back of that, to be honest. Well, so. we, we know that bicycling boomed. If anything that boomed this year, bicycling is here to stay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't think the bike industry has ever experienced more people bicycling um, than ever. And the outdoors is a winner as well. And we're all in the, well, I'm, you know, I'm in the outdoor business. And so, you know, we know that the outdoors was a winner because people realize how important it is to be in nature and outdoors. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. We'll, we'll, come, back to, we'll come back to you in a okay, second great. and I'll come up with, with some more questions. So Dodds, you, you, you pivoted your business in a slightly different way. You actually moved sort of away from tourism uh, to help out the community, didn't you? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, we. I started looking at. I started thinking about this back in December, January, in my head, saying, "Okay, well, if this spreads, worst case scenario, we're looking at uh, probably like uh, a complete, uh, like completely having no business this season, uh, similar to what happened with SARS back in 2003." where uh, Canada was largely affected with SARS, even though there was a, uh, as much of a spread as, as we have with this pandemic. So I started thinking about it early on. And um, in February, um, I sat down with uh, some of my senior members and sat down with them, had a serious conversation saying, guys, listen, like if this thing actually uh, you know, uh, spreads, we might be in a situation where we'll have to uh, consider laying almost all of our staff off, laying off all our managers and shutting down completely and just going out to a skeleton crew um, and so we started talking about that early on and then as things progressed we started to do our weekly meetings we did weekly coronavirus kind of uh, all hands meetings where all the staff members were there I don't think all the staff members took it too seriously early on they just thought I was just uh, you know planning for worst case scenarios but then it quickly became apparent that we needed to have a plan and get <laughs> and have a plan fast mm -hmm. because if uh, we didn't have a plan, we would be looking at laying off. So my, my primary goal and I think the goal of everybody involved was to make sure that we could just uh, keep everybody on, right? And so we looked at different ways of, so we, we strategized, we look at different options and we looked at what resources we had. So we, had, we know we had vehicles, we had, we had uh, staff available. So we initially looked at a delivery model in, in, uh, in March of like delivering groceries and different things. And, that didn't seem like it was gonna is gonna pan out as a way to sustain everybody's salaries and sustain our overhead costs. So as we went uh, down and we uh, we uh, kind of explored different options, we came to the idea of uh, of doing. Uh, and I I was able to get a contract to be able to do uh, deliveries for for Amazon, uh, to do prime deliveries for Amazon in different cities and the different cities that we operated. So, I mean, my team was was great. I mean, I was actually stuck in Amman, Jordan at the time. Um, uh, I had left for in February and I was stuck in, they were in complete military lockdown. So I was uh, trying to pivot from um, another country, uh, which was challenging, uh, but it was, I mean, uh, we have a great team and it, I really, really, it's, it's all about the, the, the team members that we have, the managers that really uh, stepped up uh, and we had people, you know, we're in Niagara here and they moved, they, they went up to like Peterborough, which is about, you know, three, four hours away from here. And they went and they spent, a lot of time and energy building up those that carrier service there and in the east coast and it's not fun work uh it's not mm -hmm. like it's not like guiding it's not like going out and you know spending uh time with uh, with guests around the world interacting it's 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 a lot of fun this is just you know go 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 deliver deliver the package you're in a time a time limit so yeah it wasn't the funnest experience but it really really um uh, uh, helped us sustain ourselves through this process. And uh, we did bleed. I mean, again, the goal was to stop the bleeding as soon as possible. I think it took about five, six months of bleeding, uh, <laughs> of, you know, paying out salaries and stuff like that. And the Canadian government really came through with their, with their grants, the, the CEWS program, the, uh, the, 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 the CEBA program, all these programs they put through has actually quite helped us quite a bit to stay uh, stay the course and not have to not have to lay off people, um, and that was uh, to me that success. I mean, the goal here wasn't to make money, <laughs> uh, really. It was just to be able to uh, make it through and make sure that nobody's livelihood is affected uh, negatively. Mm -hmm. and, and so, to that end, I think we've been uh, uh, successful and we've been uh, we've been happy with the way things have been going. So, yeah, that's so where kind are you of hoping? 
uh, where you are at the moment, obviously, where, when is uh, is there any light at the end of the tunnel? When are you expecting or hoping that tours will kick off again and you can you can go away from the Amazon deliveries and go back <laughs> on to doing what you actually actually set up to do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're 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 hoping uh, with the new vaccine coming out that uh, things will be looking good for this season. Again, we're ready to uh, keep um, keep at it until tourism comes back. Of course. There's not much of a much room for marketing uh, and uh, these kind of things, but uh, we're just trying to hold tight until things open up. I mean, for us, I mean, we have a, I mean, we basically had 98% revenue loss, right? Like the American border shut, right? Canada's mm -hmm. not really letting in anybody else. And most of our travelers, like 95% of, of our travelers are from overseas. Right, they're from the United mm. States and other, other countries. So 98%, really, yeah, that, that, I just shudder at that figure that you've lost that. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, uh, so I'm really, I, I really am proud of my team that we've been able to come through this without, uh, without falling apart and without having to lose staff. Um, and so, as long as we can keep on doing that, we're, 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 and we can survive till things open up again, the borders open up again, and uh, I'm sure everybody here is going to be really, really happy to go back to uh, doing what they love doing. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's that's it's the reason why I, I I thought it was really important to get you on here as well. Is it's not just about pivoting to a different aspect within the business to offer tours domestically or anything like that. I know for, I understand for some businesses that's a lot harder, um, but it's it's highlighting the fact that you've managed to keep your team together because that's so important for any travel business, any tourism business, especially tour operators. If you can keep your team together and your tour guys together and not have them going off to different companies and you end up losing their knowledge and their aspect, you know, their aspects on things and everything, I think that's hugely important. I have to commend you for just completely looking at something completely different, a completely different industry, just to make sure that you can keep that team together. So I applaud you on that. So. You know, thank you again. This is all, I, I was stuck in Jordan, right? So this is all, <laughs> all, all uh, I, I, I want to commend my team. Uh, they're really able to step up and make this happen, yeah. Oh, oh well done, well done. Uh, Don, uh, I'll, I'll move to yourself now. So I had you on mute there for a second with some background noise. So, um, uh, I was so next to a fire station, I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that's what I'll be then. So you um, you obviously, at the start of all this, you you mentioned that you parked your, your fleets and then you had yep. to refocus to more the, the domestic market with distilleries, etc. So tell us a bit about that and how that sort of, Help you sustain your business through, through COVID? Yeah, a couple of uh, pieces of background, you know, like other folks have indicated, 2020 was off to a great start. The first nine or 10 weeks, we were up 10% year over year. Uh, part of that, we had chalked it up to, we had really started to diversify our tour offering. So more than just going to brewery A, B, and C, we had diversified into offerings that included uh, things such as bird watching and axe throwing and learning to curl on ice and partnering with sports teams. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, some of those that were, we were able to, to bring back, but not many of them. Um, so we also were seeing in 2020 that we were at 50% of our overall revenue was from privately chartered tours, um, which is an all-time high for us. So obviously we did lose uh, all of that business. Uh, I was actually in, in Ireland at the time that this all happened, leading an international beer tour, um, which we do a couple of times a year. I was starting to see the European viewpoint of it uh, simultaneously here in the States. We had um, five tours on Saturday, the 14th of March that had 67 guests. And it just felt kind of wrong. Like we had people kind of in these spaces and it was starting to feel wrong. So we suspended operations after that day. Uh, we all came back from Ireland safely, which is great because we had nearly 20 travelers there. 
And we just shut everything down. Uh, no, no in-person tours for 18 weeks. And just looking at the numbers, the estimated loss of revenue there is, is in excess of $200,000 just based on the pace of what we had been seeing for the past couple of years. So um, how did we do that? What did we do? Well, the buses remain parked. They're still parked, to be honest with you. That is not something that people want to do is to go into a small uh, mini bus, a tube with strangers to go to a facility that you're actually not allowed. Even now, you're not allowed to be on the inside of based on our state regulations. So uh, when I got back from Ireland, uh, realizing that we had an opportunity to get the messaging out from our partners, we pivoted to, and I hate that word, we repositioned, there we go, we repositioned to being the authority on, on local craft uh, alcohol, and we created what we did call virtual tours, but to be honest with you, they were just interviews. They were interviews with the struggling uh, owners and founders and partners of ours that we're now trying to get the word out about how you could access their products in, in completely different ways. Um, so literally that next weekend was our first one. They aired on Instagram Live. I was able to record them uh, after the fact. I edited it. I learned how to edit on the fly, which has been a great skill uh, to, to come up with. And then we'd post those on YouTube and then also uh, record the audio as a podcast. So that uh, over the next two months, we did about 30 different episodes of that sort of format just to get the word out there, which uh, a lot of our partners were thankful for because they didn't really have a direct way to do that. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to early July, our state said, OK, finally, breweries, wineries and distilleries can have guests in person um, on premise. And we gave them a couple of weeks to kind of figure out what that looked like. And then we uh, we tested our first tour. It was actually a biking uh, brewery tour. Um, so. Uh, not a very long distance. It's only three miles and it's on uh, multi-use paths, not in city streets. And we were able to see how the guests would react to, you know, their new mandates. There were new restrictions and there was limited access. We weren't going in behind the scenes at all. So we wanted to see what our guests would really think of that experience. And it was, it was universally, uh, enjoyed. It was something to do. It was, uh, mm -hmm. after being cooped up for, for a few months, it was, it was interesting. So the test was successful. Uh, and on the 19th of July, we started our own product, um, which was a walking tour called Walk, Talk and Taste because we couldn't come up with a better name. We wanted it to be very descriptive. But honestly, that's a product we developed a couple of years ago. Um, it was never our most successful product because it wasn't bus based. But now it was about the only native product that we were offering. And it worked. Uh, we were able to do that tour twice a day, seven days a week. And we actually created two different um, new itineraries based on other brewing neighborhoods that were in our city. Um, and then we also, I got right on the, the email, I guess I would say, to work with boating partners. And the whole idea with this is that we realized that people wanted experiences that were open air. They wanted to be out, feel safe, and, you know, be subject to the, to the, to the weather if need be, but not being inside anything. So, we developed, uh, we expanded an offering that we had had previously that was called Sales and Ales on a sailboat for uh, for a couple of hours drinking beer. And they created a, a wine version of that called uh, Waves and Wines and a spirits version of that called Sales and Spirits. And then we also formed a new partnership with a, a couple of charter boat companies uh, that produced, uh, recreated tour products that were harbor cruises, sunset cruises, and lobster demonstration cruises. Because when people come to Maine, they come to vacation land and they want to learn about lobster. Well, it's better if you have a local craft beer in your hand as well. So uh, those were wildly successful as well. Um, and the, the last one, which I, I like to joke about, is that we've always had a running 
brewery tour, you know, uh, running shoes, running to breweries. It's, it's, uh, it has never been that successful whatsoever, but uh, we offered it because uh, together this was over a dozen different open air itineraries, different formats, different time periods, going to different places. Some were physical, some were not. And uh, so before we could really promote this out, we had to make sure that we had our health and safety programs uh, and policies tight right through the booking process. There was a self-certification uh, a method for compliance where people had to say, yes, we're going to comply with all the rules of the state. But also we have an online waiver that we mandated everybody had to do ahead of time. And that was another form of compliance. And then finally, when the guests appeared in front of us, we said, how did you comply? And they had to tell us one of the, the approved methods. Um, there were only at the most, there were seven states that were freely allowed to come into Maine uh, without testing or quarantine. And right now it's it's down to just one other state. It's just New Hampshire wow. at the moment. So um, the end result was at the end of, of, uh, of last week, we had seen over 800 guests that came from 33 different states and from the District of Columbia. That meant that the other ones had to comply in one form or, or fashion. As tests became more readily available, that became easier to do. And then I'm super proud of the fact that with uh, the partners, the ones that were administering these other types of tours, we had 300 guests on our biking tours, uh, over 200 guests on the boating products, and that generated over $30,000 worth of revenue for other companies that are also locally owned tour companies that are struggling. So um, I will say that nobody actually went running with us for beer. That didn't actually work. <laughs> no, it would have been fun to see you, especially after a couple of beers. <laughs> yeah. John, you and I are having to talk. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> but no, the fact, there's a couple of things that, 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 to highlight there. No, the fact that you've you've managed to do that is is, is incredible and keep you know, the whole the whole thing about you know, pivoting your business in for that for that sort of domestic market and not having the, the, the bus type tours. Do you see that being a an issue going forward for your business? No, no, with more and more people maybe looking for smaller groups and maybe more out there. Do you actually see you starting to do more of the products you have developed for uh, for to, to make them work just now rather than doing the bus tours? Do you see your your bus your bus product actually being the future of your business because of all this? Well, we definitely will expand the open air offerings, and we'll have we'll have new experiences for guests uh, in the coming years. But uh, we are, you know, really looking forward to getting our core product, the bus based tours, back. And we had two false starts. Um, we were on track to actually have uh, limited tours that would resume this fall, but then uh, our state decided that uh, brewery tasting rooms uh, still had to remain as outside only establishments with nobody going on the inside. And that uh, that meant that really we were only going to brew pubs at that point uh, by bus. And uh, there's also limited capacity available in these in these facilities, only 50 percent of your stated capacity. So we knew that our partners were going to set aside a table for us uh, as a discounted tour experience when they uh, are desperate to make their their money as well. So. Uh, so, so part of it is, you know, we definitely want to get back to the buses because that is what we're known for. It's literally in our name. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it is uh, clear that we want to have more open air experiences and more varied experiences that are going beyond beer and beyond the bus. There's so much more mm -hmm. to experience in the craft uh, producers world that we are able to uh, to expand in that area. Mm -hmm. And I'm more than sure that your the fact that you've helped your your partners generate a bit of income for them and everything else and, and that that will 
go well for you in the future. No, they'll, they'll, they'll remember that. Uh, and I think that's, as what Lauren was say, saying earlier on as well, it's, it's about working with your partners, working with others in the industry and just trying to help each other out. And I think, you no. Know, being able to do that and generate that little bit of income for your partners, I think they'll they'll, they'll certainly remember you and they'll, they'll maybe maybe put some favors your way. I think <laughs> I think I think they owe you a few. <laughs> well, I will say, you know, we recognize that through a lot of hard work, we had very favorable SEO, uh, very favorable ranking. When people are searching things to do in Portland, they often find us uh, front and center, even yeah. if they're not looking for beer experiences or craft alcohol at all. We knew we could parlay those uh, those uh, contacts into providing other opportunities that were not necessarily about us, but it was about um, giving the guest uh, an opportunity that they felt safe to experience Portland in new ways. Mm-hmm. And you're going to continue with the, the the podcasts and the episodes, and you see that has been a really good marketing tool to start keep to keep using past COVID. I think so. We haven't uh, restarted that program yet, but it was very well received. And it was mostly from our partners who said, thank you. Thank you for giving me a a new way to get the word out there about what we're doing. Um, You know, ours happens to be, you know, focused on producers that are all, you know, small operators. They're all locally owned and operated and they're all struggling. So uh, providing those opportunities, I think, is the best way for us to move forward. Uh, We're not in a position to create a distribution company to ship beer, to do paid for virtual tastings and so forth. Um, There are too many regulations around that. But our strength is telling the stories and connecting with with the owners behind the scenes. We can continue to do that in that format. Excellent. Excellent. No. It's, it's good to hear. Good to hear. I really I, I like that aspect. And I, 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 if it was me, just from a marketing point of view, continuing those podcasts and videos, I would be I would be urging you to do it because it's more brand awareness. So someone could come to that video or podcast a year down the line, and that could be te- potentially be a, a new customer. So it's something I would I would urge you to keep doing uh, if, if at all possible. Agreed. Um, Gabor, uh, come on to yourself now. So um, you're more focused on food tours. Obviously, the, your, tour, your tours stopped. And you actually did go down the sort of virtual sort of wine tasting route. Is that correct? So tell us a bit about uh, how that process went and mm-hmm. was it challenging? No, how, how's that made you, uh, how, has that made you survive during this COVID and your, your staff, et cetera? No, what's, how's that played out for you? Yeah, so um, just a bit of background again. So um, last year, we had over 10,000 guests on different tours and tastings. We had a, a team of uh, 10 full-timers, including uh, ourselves, uh, the two founders. And we worked with, uh, you know, dozens of uh, freelance guides. So we were set for a very high turnover. And every year, you know, we had an organic growth of at least uh, 20% uh, for the past, you know, 10 plus years. So, yeah, we were preparing for a great uh, 2020. And um, uh, then everything stopped all of a sudden, as, as you all know it. Uh, I don't think we could uh, we could have prepared for this. Uh, we are a hundred percent, you know, tourism driven, driven international tourism. So we don't have any local. Uh, we didn't have any local customers. Uh, this was a conscious decision. We wanted to uh, target both locals and and uh, you know tourists at a time. But uh, then we actually failed to get either one. So we decided, okay, we're gonna just keep on doing what we're good at, uh, selling uh, Hungarian, you know. Food and wine experiences to to visitors, and um, and it was fine. It was working fine, but no, uh, you know, from one day to the next, uh, we lost ninety nine point five, maybe ninety nine point nine percent of the business. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, there is no way you can prepare for that. Mm. 
<laughs> it's wow. you just can't. I mean, I had I had nightmares about you know losing, uh, you know, a lot of our business, but never you know a nightmare like this. Uh, so this is where we started in mid March, and uh, yeah, there we were with ten full timers. You know that that of course in, in, includes you know paying payroll and social security and a bunch of you know uh, added uh, overheads. So uh, for a month, month and a half, uh, it was refunds and uh, and just uh, making uh, very bad decisions of uh, uh, you know who we need to let go. Uh, there was no uh, major government funding here, and uh, you know that's fine. But uh, yeah, uh, we had to we had to cut our our team back uh, seriously. Now we're down to to four of us: uh, the two founders and then two of our uh, really key people. And when I say key people, I hate to say that because everybody else was key as well. <laughs> but um, anyway, so. Uh, uh, we are, are a food and wine uh, tour company. This is really our focus. We didn't uh, expand to, to other cities. Uh, we didn't start tours, you know, let's say all over Europe, you know, using the same uh, recipe. Instead, uh, we wanted to expand locally and uh, we opened our tasting cellar and uh, we wanted to uh, add extra uh, services here in, in Budapest rather than in other cities. And this sort of uh, this is what uh, we uh, kept uh, doing during the crisis. So uh, we always um, we always wanted to um, uh, start an online wine shop because people were asking us. You know, they had a great wine tasting. They 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 went back to the UK, let's say, and then they had to drop us an email. You know, could I order ten bottles of this and this wine? And, you know, this is a great way to do it, but there, there is a much better way. You can just build a web shop and it can be automated and, and just do be done in a more professional way. So, so we started doing, we built a website, tastehungry.eu, for our European customers. And we were also in the middle of launching uh, our new uh, wine business in the U.S., uh, tastehungry.us, which is pretty much the same, but targeting our, our U.S., um, our American uh, uh, clients and, and friends who miss Hungarian wine. So, uh, well, we started these two new websites and we also started doing uh, virtual wine tastings. We were, we were considering doing virtual tours. Many uh, tour companies did that, but somehow we felt that that wouldn't be a product that would stick with us for the rest of the time, uh, even you know, post uh, COVID. And we didn't want to just do something for the sake of doing something. And, uh, and uh, nevertheless, uh, having a product that we can sell in two continents, that's already, you know, amazing, hundreds of millions of people potentially. Uh, uh, we decided that the wine tastings are, or virtual wine tastings are the way to go. These were all free. Uh, these were all on Facebook. That is our major uh, platform, social media platform. And... Uh, and yeah, I mean, we, we created packages. People could pre-order, you know, in advance uh, uh, the wines that uh, either me or one of uh, my my colleagues uh, was talking about. Uh, we had a couple of different uh, timings, you know, one for uh, the European uh, followers, one for the American followers. Then sometimes we combine this with um, with cooking. Uh, our sommelier is also uh, know how to cook. So let's say tomorrow night there will be a sommelier in the kitchen show. 
sometimes we combine this with uh, just some casual talk about uh, you know tourism, uh, some some history talk. But there was always a wine focus, and there was always the possibility of people purchasing this wine. So we were looking at this as a as a money making tool. Uh, if you look at how much uh, time and work went into this, the margins are are not that great. But it definitely helped us keep uh, us, uh, you know, on the surface. It definitely helped us uh, keep uh, in touch with uh, with our clients, and many of our clients are friends, and we know them, you know, personally. And otherwise, they would just be, you know, looking at our boring. Uh, never changing Facebook page because nothing in tourism really happened here in uh, seven or eight months now. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it definitely also uh, helped us uh, uh, extend or, or, or raise our, uh, or get more uh, new clients uh, that otherwise would not have found us if it wasn't for, you know, being able to order Hungarian wine. And then, and then hopefully when tourism comes back, they will say, okay, I've been watching these guys on Facebook for eight months. It's time to meet them in person. And it will be time to meet us in person, <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah, so no, yeah, no. Sorry. I was, just, I was just going to say, yeah, I think, you know, that's how I see the, the virtual landscape of virtual tours playing out. You know, it's having something that's tied in with uh, a physical product that they can purchase or being part of a tour. It's like a, an added an enhancement to the experience um and yeah like you say you know you you basically did it for free you know and using it as for, for brand awareness and that has brought you hopefully new customers and potential customers in the future and i think that's where the strength lies in that type of content and doing sort of virtual tours in that sort of way it's not it's not something that's maybe going to generate you lots of revenue at the moment as you said you know the margins were tight for the amount of effort you have to put in but it's thinking about when we do open back up again, restrictions are lifted. It's what that's going to do for your business further down the line. And it's just bringing more and more people to you because that content is going to be online forever. No, the video could be online forever. And someone stumbling across that in a year's time um, could eventually you know, visit you and want to do an actual physical tour or, or whatever. So I think it's really important. Yeah, uh, two more things. Um, one is that um, uh, then we also there there was you know a lot of interaction and a lot of interest in these in these tastings. So we we did start selling private virtual tastings. So that would be um, for you know private uh, groups, and we still don't charge for the tasting. You know you're required to buy 18 bottles of wine as a group. Uh, can be sent to multiple you know different locations. And then we do the, the tasting free of charge, provided you order 18 bottles. And, mm -hmm. and it's, been, it's been very popular on both uh, EU, on the EU and, and the US level. And uh, uh, also, we still pursued with uh, another old plan. Uh, we, we did open a, a small, a tiny little wine shop here in Budapest, which is a brick and mortar shop. And uh, there really is no tourism here right now borders are closed so there, there are no foreigners so this is definitely just targeting uh, locals uh, hungarians and expats uh, living here and uh, again it it does create a job for for one of our sommeliers and uh, and it's it's actually really exciting and something totally new and we wanted to do this for a long time but we never had a chance and we were never pressured to do it because we were just you know busy with our tourism business so now 
actually locals are coming in and talk to us and they say, okay, yeah, I've, I've seen that you guys have been around, but I never came in because you guys were always full. And now uh, we, we, we start to have a small uh, local uh, following as well, which is, which is great. And it's, it's also a keeper. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And I do have to ask, no, um, no, John mentioned there about the legalities of sending alcohol even to different states. No, the, the infrastructure you must have created for that to send alcohol to different countries, etc., must be quite considerable. No, how did you get sort of around all the red tape with that? And oh, it's incredible. Uh, uh, yeah, we, we we started working on this about a year and a half before COVID started. So this was always in the plans. Uh, you know, 60% of our clients were from the U.S. And, uh, and you know, at a wine tasting, when you have good wine, you know, the final question is always, how am I going to get this wine home and how am I going to be able to purchase something similar to this wine? And the answer was, you know, it's not that easy. You can't really do it. So since Carolyn is uh, American, I have a green card. You know, we applied for an import license there and... Uh, yeah, I mean, it, you need a lawyer, a consultant, and another lawyer, and a couple of more consultants to, to really learn how this works. Uh, it took uh, me a good year and a half. It took Carolyn build the website. And so, you know, a lot of things went into it. But uh, at the end of the day, it's really something nobody else does, or uh, definitely not that I, I know of, or, or not uh, anywhere near me. And uh, yeah, now people, uh, when people come back and they have a, you know, go on a tasting here, uh, then uh, they can order the wine. And, and many of these wines are already in our warehouse in the U.S. And they can be sent to their house probably a day after they, they, get, they get back. So, so, yeah, there's a lot of uh, bureaucracy. Uh, on the EU level, it's really simple. It's, it's really like one big country. There, there are no... There are, there are barely any restrictions. Well, um, until the UK comes out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nobody really even prepares for that. <laughs> even though I, I'm here in Scotland in the UK and I don't even know what the hell's going on. So it's <laughs> no, no, no one knows. Um, I don't even think the government knows yet until I don't know when. But there we go. That's going to be because I was going to say, you no, know, I I do like my wine, so I think I I shall be ordering. Uh, some wine from you, and uh, I'll be keeping all 18 bottles for myself. I won't be passing that out to anyone. So, <laughs> well, I'm conscious of time, so I just wanted to ask one more question before we see if we have any questions from the people and uh, are watching uh, and viewing. So, anyone who is as watching and listening to to this uh, live stream, please do send in your questions, um, uh, and, and we'll put them to to the guys here. So. I'll start with yourself, yourself again, Gabor, um, and what my way sort of in reverse. Um, where do you see, uh, I'll rephrase that, if, if someone was coming to you asking for advice on how to pivot a business or where they should, what's the first things they should look at if, if they're really struggling to to think of different ideas or different think, look at different ways of, of changing their business to make sure they survive? So what advice would you give them in, in preparing for that? Well, uh, this is a tough question. You know, we were lucky that we already had a product that we could rely on without having any services, you know, running. So that was a huge benefit. Um, if if this happened, you know, six years ago, I I don't know what we would have done. I mean, I mm -hmm. I, I I really don't know what what we could have done for like independent guides. 
uh, many of our guides, you know, started doing something totally different uh, from pizza delivery to 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 whatever. And uh, and actually, you know, our what we do now, we're no longer a tourism company anymore, or at least at this point, we're we're. You know, we're not a tourism company. We are a wine sales and wine uh, logistic company uh, that uh, is hoping that um, you know these new foundations and these new legs that we put down are actually going to be permanent uh, legs after tours come back. But uh, even after putting all of this work, and you know, we're saying we pivoted and everything, we survived. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's which is what, which is which is this is what this chat is all about. It's just making sure you survive in business. So. Yeah, yeah, and and we 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 hopefully build something that will will stay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I you know, for for independent tour guides, I mean, I think they like what what I see is that they they had to take a break and they did something totally different, and I think they should just enjoy that that they are doing something else, and uh, and they can come back. Uh, fresh and 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 motivated when this is over yeah no good advice. i mean i don't i guess this is not a great advice but <laughs> no it's, sometimes no i was saying this to, to lauren earlier on before we came on chat sometimes it's just taking a step back and reevaluating where you are mm-hmm. where you are in life and everything else no it's a, it's allows you to refocus a lot of your efforts on the things that really matter and if it does mean taking a step back for a few months and no, parking your fleet like Don did or closing mm-hmm. everything down and, doing, and just making sure that you've got the right headspace to then continue. It's, you know, the mental health side of things is vastly important. So it's just making sure you put yourself in the right headspace for that. So if that's what you have to do, then that's what you have to do. So, yeah. Don, yourself, the same question, but any advice you would you would give? Yeah, I came up with, uh, with three concepts. Uh, I'd say the first is to use the core competencies that exist, not just with you, but also with your team. Uh, what Lauren said earlier, use the talent. You know, I think the cookbook is a great idea, for example. Mm. Um, that is not what you normally would do, but wow, what a great way to use mm. the talent that you have. And so sometimes it's about developing a product that fits your brand rather than going too far afield and trying to create something that was too extensive. <clears throat> Excuse me. I saw uh, in the comments, somebody said, oh, I created this virtual safari. It took a lot of time and effort and it was for free and it really didn't result in any sales. But Chris, you've said it, I think, three times. Maybe not right away, but it lives out there and it exists and people will find that at some point in time. Uh, the, the second thing I would say is uh, similar. It's, it's start with something that's small, that's safe. You know, for us, it was interviewing uh, partners. It wasn't going too extensive. There wasn't a lot of equipment that it was uh, required. Um, and finding, you know, the way to tell the story in a different way was very similar to what our partners are trying to do, which is get mm-hmm. their story told about how to get their products. So um, maybe it's uh, maybe it is a class. Maybe it is just a discussion. Maybe it's uh, somebody in your team who has a, a particular talent. Uh, it is about staying engaged with your customers, both past and future, but also keeping your brand uh, in front of the public eye. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing I would say is that if you do have something that's working, even just a little bit, promote it like crazy. Get it out there. And don't be afraid to pitch to traditional media because they are absolutely desperate for good news stories, especially in tourism. And we've had great success with coverage on uh, on TV and print and uh, been interviewed a bunch about the successes we had with our tours. So uh, although that's a, a, you know, is a scary thing to, to pitch to traditional media, they're there and they're ready for those good news stories right now. 
player. Can't agree more. Uh, you know, the traditional side of things you know, has been huge over this period. And you're, you're right, you know, whether it's a newspaper or whether it's a radio station or anything that's a good news story, especially within the hospitality or the tourism sector or anything like that, is they lap it up at the moment. So you no, know, anything you do with that, PRPC is excellent. No, very good advice. Uh, Dodge, yourself, any advice you would give? Um, yeah, and I think uh, my advice would be basically to uh, look at your situation and look what your options are. I mean, you have a best case scenario and you have a worst case scenario. Um, and I mean, if you're able to use what you have to make money or to repurpose it, do that. If you make walking tours, I mean, we try to do walking tours, you, you can try different things. If it's effective, great. If you're able to do, get lucky and make it work, great. And we were, we got lucky, we were able to figure things out. But if you can't, then unfortunately, you have to make those hard decisions uh, to survive through. You have to make those cuts. You have to do what's necessary to make it through to the other end. Um, and so not everybody, uh, everybody's situation is very different and very unique. And um, so you really have to look at what you have and what assets you have or what maybe it's your team members. And we've heard great stories from Lauren and Don and Gabor about how they, they were able to utilize your resources and their expertise and their knowledge and uh, leverage that. And each one of us has done it differently. So um, I think every person out there in the tourism industry is unique in their capabilities and their expertise. And they really should lean on their strengths and see what they can, what whatever they can do, right? It's survival mode. So as long as you make it through the other end, that's... <laughs> That's the whole game here. <laughs> That's it. No, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. It really is individual yeah. to the businesses, the situations you're in, no, with yourself being where you are. No, America closed, no, no, and, and the type of tours that you, you have. No, you, there's there's very little options that you have left open to you. So hence you have to look outside the box, as it were. So yeah, it is individual, but no, there's anything you can do to survive. And if it means making some hard decisions, you're going to have to do that as well. So yeah, good advice. Just one, one more thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, best case scenario, we have still four, five, six months like this ahead of us. Mm. Uh, so there is still plenty of time to uh, learn new skills or develop something new. <laughs> Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure, yeah. Although there's the news of the vaccine, no, you're, you're going to be at least looking at spring before that starts being distributed out properly to the you know, the general public and everything else. So yeah, you're looking at all three to six months, I think, before things go back to some form of normality, but whatever, yep. whatever that normality is. So yeah, I agree. Uh, Lauren, yourself, any, any advice you would give? Sure. Well, I, I always go back to the idea of um, going deep, deep into your purpose. Um, you know, you might discover that your business is no longer you know suits you, but I think you have to. Your purpose is why are you here, and what is it that you do that is you know other people want, and how can you share it? And I think you continually kind of get out of yourself, out of your way, and say you know how can I share what I do? And I think resilience. I think you've got to you know realize that you're here. For, we're all here for a reason, and you're here for a reason, and that your community around you. Um, you're not alone. And I, I, you know, I found the more that I did things that were interesting and new that people would say, that's great. And I became an inspiration and I in turn wanted to inspire others. So I think that that, you know, is, is, is very important. Um, and I think it used to be sort of hope for the best and plan for the worst. And I've kind of, you know, traded the order and sort of like plan for the worst and hope for the best, but hope cannot go away. You, every day, has to be just as much hope as you can find in everything that you can find, whether, you know, for me, I can set a bike ride and, and I find a tremendous amount of hope um, from, you know, being outside. And I think talking to customers, you just can't, 
your, I call them guests. I mean, my friends, my family, they're my extended family. And I talk to them as much as possible. And they support me. They, they keep, you know, it's almost like I imagine them all, you know, behind my back all the time. And, you know, and, and anybody supportive in my life, I just sort of imagine them there. And I'm enjoying the journey of the pivot. You know, I'm enjoying like, wow, this is a chance, you know, I not, you know, like right now we would be, the phone would be ringing. We'd be taking all kinds of sales. It's, it's not ringing. And well, okay, well then what, what else could I do with that time? Why, you know, why am I here? And gratitude every day, even from the beginning, I write down what I'm grateful for. And it could be very simple. Um, and it usually is. And just, just always do what you love. And, um, and I, I'm for me in my, you know, as I was sort of scaling up to be big, um, I'm willing to go very, very small. I'm willing to go and, and I'm willing to stay there because small is beautiful. It was one of my favorite books in college, um, Schumacher and small is beautiful. And I think that that's something that we're all, um, you know, discovering in, in this, uh, these times, you know, um, animals are out there doing what we have to do every day. You know, it's sort of like we can learn a lot from, you know, around us. And, um, you know, I think that that idea that, you know, remaining small and, and, and also local. I think I've, I've always loved local, but I think we're all, everyone, our customers and companies are learning what is beautiful right in our own backyard. And, and, and that doesn't mean that you won't travel beyond it, but you'll take those lessons and you'll take them beyond. But knowing, you know, I think, I really think it's exciting that my customers went to the Finger Lakes with me and they said, oh my God, I never realized the Finger Lakes were so beautiful. Oh, oh my God, I never knew Southern New Hampshire was so amazing. It's like Tuscany. I'm like, oh yeah, really? Whoa. You know, it's like, you know, Southern New Hampshire. I grew up in Southern New Hampshire. It's like Tuscany. Okay, I'll take that. And, um, you know, I just, and to see the joy in their faces that what I'm doing, even though it's not in Italy, it's okay. And and I'm doing my magic here, just like I would, my, you know, we're doing our magic here, just like we would do it in, in, in Europe. So your magic doesn't have to be what you did two years ago, your magic can still be in you and you do it in a different way. And and that is my message to my, that's my self-talk all the time. So, you know, I'm, you know, I have to be optimistic. I was born that way. Um, but I have to be also realistic and, uh, that this has been a year of realism for sure. So, um, you know, and, and a plan, not only a plan A or a plan B, but a C and a D and an E and an F. You know, it used to be plan A and plan B, but I go right down the go right, I go right down the line. It's like, okay, what's the plan E? And I got a plan F, you know, and I've never had a plan F. But you know, if this doesn't all work out, I guess I'll hop on my bike and ride around the world. I've always wanted to do that. So, you know, that's always out there. That still is who I am and what I'm about. And um, yeah. so anyway, that's those are my those are my piece of advice. And and if anybody wants to give me a call, um, you know, find me and I'm happy to, to chat with any small business person or or whatever. I love to connect with anybody out there. Excellent. Well, great advice. Great advice from everyone. So I'll, I'll quickly go to see if we've got any questions. There's actually more statements than questions and people agreeing with everyone here and everything else. So I'm going to first look over the Travel Massive website. Um, uh, Frank, who's one of our, our, our avid watchers and listeners, uh, says, I love uh, uh, Lauren's attitude to calling and reconnecting one customer at a time. Absolutely right. And I think, no, that's it's a, it's a, almost a forgotten art, that of actually speaking to someone and picking up a phone and talking and everything else, because it all tends to go online these days. So he completely agrees with you. Um, let's see if there's anything else. Um, Peter Troubles, some uplifting stories tonight. How easy will it be to generate totally new customers post-COVID? Will there be a general um, uh, reticence of will, or will you uh, all initially rely on existing contacts, friends, 
friends or friends, etc., to get things moving again. So I suppose what he's asking was, do you think things will pick up where they left off when COVID comes, or when COVID um, sort of restrictions are lifted and COVID is sort of um, in the past, or do you still think you'll be there'll be harder work to convince people to to take out products? I, Does anyone want to? I, yeah. I'm- on that, I lived through 9-11 and that was awful, right? So, hmm. you know, what I discussed, similar similar thing, but every year this year has been 9-11 every day. Um, but 9-11 taught me who was more resilient, who was going to really be in travel for the long run, the people that were sort of fickle and were going to do a bike tour just for the fun of it. And this is a time, so I believe the answer to the question is yes. You know, people love it to experience life. And they will want to get beyond the Zoom calls, but um, yeah, they they, they you're gonna they're gonna be people that you never thought you know are gonna be out there. So um, you know there there's always someone that wants to experience what you love. Yeah. Anybody else want to add anything to that one? No. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I, I don't know if it's going to be be you know the same immediately. I mean, at some point, I'm sure it's going to be busy again. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm also, if it's not, that's almost, I, I would say, that's almost fine with me too, because uh, these new uh, legs and services, you know, trying to uh, engage with the locals is, is just as exciting as what we were doing before. And um, yeah, we are food tours, so that's, that's still even on the, you know, even if tourism comes back, food tourism is going to be probably the slowest uh, segment of that to, to come back because people will be a little bit uh, more uh, freaked out about sharing food with other people or eating uh, uh, in groups, even if it's uh, small groups. So, yeah, w- what we're going to do, we're going to actually add a bunch of outdoor elements uh, or try to add a bunch of, of outdoorsy uh, products uh, combined with food and wine uh, next year. Excellent. Excellent. Let me see if I get any more questions here. Um, Frank, again, just to sort of show, I think I can show this on screen. There we go. He loves Portland, Maine. I actually think he took out one of your tours in the past. There we go. Uh, Frank, thank you for your support. I also saw Ron as a past guest uh, who's in the chat. So thank you for your support. Uh, come back when you can. Uh, let's see if we've got anything else. Uh, do, 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 do. Hoping, uh, yeah, there just seems to be a lot of statements. Yeah, but in fact, that one that was that was mentioned earlier, but Chantal um, doing a, a virtual experience, a virtual safari, um, spending lots of time to prepare, uh, but not had any sales from it. No, it's I see virtual tours very much like um, taking out an ad in a newspaper. You no, know, the first time you do it, you're not going to see anything happening from it. But if you are taking that that ad for seven months. The more people who see it, the more awareness that you're raising. Eventually, you'll get more and more people take, you know, looking at your product, looking at your website, and then maybe inquiring. You know, to give you an example, um, we are helping a, a company who does safaris in Africa as well at the moment. Um, no one is booking at the moment, pretty much any tour. No one's really booking at the moment, especially multi-day tours and safaris like that at this moment in time. But what they're what she certainly has done over the last two months running some Facebook ads is had over 300 people inquire and ask for a quote for next year. So people are actually looking just now, maybe not necessarily booking, maybe the sales aren't quite happening yet, but they're certainly inquiring and the demand is certainly there. So I would keep at it. Um, like everything else, and you've heard from the guys here, a lot of this stuff is hard work and it is hard work. No, there's, there's no, uh, if anything, we're all working harder now um, to make things work and to make ends meet. 
But eventually, the more and more you do these things, the more and more um, you'll, you'll raise that awareness of your brand and you will get sales from it. So my own business, doing these videos, doing the digital tourism show, doing the podcast that I do, that's taken, it's been over three or four years, but during that time, about 90, 95% of the, the inquiries my business gets is all through that content. We hardly do any paid advertising for my own business. And that's where it is. It just takes time. It's just keeping at it, keeping producing content, getting it out there, and eventually the sales will come from it. So, uh, right, let me see if there's anything else. Uh, don't see anything else. Of all people just saying very inspiring. Um, is this a question here from a Facebook user? Don't have the name. Uh, is virtual tourism working to make sales, especially for small guest house operators? Would appreciate to know. Again, just like we mentioned there, um, virtual tours. Yes, you can make a little bit of money from it, possibly, but don't expect it to generate lots of revenue. Although, if it's tied in to maybe a, a product like with Gabor is doing, that's where you can maybe make some revenue from it. But the margins, as Gabor has said, is tight. Just depends on the type of product you have, but. Uh, Feel free to email me. We can have a discussion offline and we can look, maybe look at that as well. Um, well, I don't see uh, any more questions there. Um, in fact, there's one there from Vitaly. Um, uh, let me just get rid of that question if I can. There we go. So Vitaly on Travel Master, if I make this the last one, um, are you going to integrate virtual tours into your traditional tours on an ongoing basis you know, after COVID? Do you think that's going to be something you'll continue to do for those guys who are running virtual tours? Or do you think it will be something that you'll probably just forget about after a certain amount of time, go back to your traditional type of tours? And he's also asking, do you see maybe gamifying that um, or private tours and adding some sort of gamification to it as well? So. I don't know, if, uh, Don, if you've got anything or any. Yeah, I would say we definitely have uh, ideas to do that. And it's probably not about gamification, but it's about actually giving a preview. Um, I think there's a, a reluctance to give away the store. You know, you don't want to, don't want to show all your secrets, but mm. still people have to go to the place to experience it. So why don't they uh, have an op? Why don't you give them an opportunity to see what it's all about ahead of time and do uh, a run through, record it, and then have it available? Uh, you could make that for sale as well. And uh, it might be a low budget item, but it, you might get some some easy money out of that uh, just to show what the tour is all about. Excellent. Excellent. Well, guys, I, I've taken up enough of your time. I can't thank you all enough. Um, there's been some inspiring stories from this. No, for the comments that I can see, and like I say, it's not really questions, but mostly statements, people saying they're very inspiring. I see one on LinkedIn from Jeff Spence saying, your guests are very inspiring. Thank you so much. Um, so, no, I can't thank you enough for you spending an hour of your time speaking to us all and just sharing your thoughts on what has worked, what hasn't worked, um, and hopefully, you no. Know, you continue to do all the good work and hopefully by this point next year we can maybe do a follow-up and see where everyone's at and um and hopefully we're in a much better place than where we are just now so uh that'll be good to good to do that uh maybe at some point next year um, and, and see where he's all at at that point so thanks right. again and i can't thank, thank you. you enough great thank you thank you all cheers bye Ciao. thank you guys this episode of the digital tourism show was brought to you today by rentrax fully customizable rental management systems for tour operators. You can book your free demo at rentracks.com.